Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns Report podcast. Thanks for pressing play, and we hope you enjoy hanging out with us. Who are we? Well, my name is John Voida, and I'm probably like you. I'm an avid Suns fan, and I just happen to have a microphone. I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Lissy. What's up, Matthew? Hey, how's it going? Doing well. How you doing, brother? I'm doing really good, and just like you, I am an avid Suns fan. Yes, we are at two avid Suns fans yep. with our own podcast talking about the team that we know and love that plays down at Talking Stick Resort Arena. We've been doing Suns podcast for a little bit now. Uh, we were formerly the Solar Report podcast, and we're super excited to join Bright Side of the Sun and SB Nation on their podcast network. Looking forward yeah. to sharing our opinions and and everything that we know and love about the Phoenix Suns. How would I describe the Suns Report podcast experience? I think it's pretty easy. Have you ever been to a bar and there's two guys who are bitching and moaning to the server asking for them to put on the Suns game? All the time. Yes, that's us. Yeah. Because... If you're like us and you go to a bar in Phoenix, you can never find the Suns game on. You go to like a Buffalo Wild Wings, which has like 40 TVs. Yes. You can never find the Suns game on. You always have to flag down a waitress. Mm-hmm. You have to ask her three times, hey, can I get the Suns game on? And you finally get the game on in like the corner of the bar. And there's two guys who are sitting there. They're pounding 24-ounce beers. And they're living and dying with every play. They're talking about play sets, talking about players. Why didn't that rotation work? Yeah, that's that's us. That's the Suns Report podcast. That is us. <laughs> so, uh, you know, thank you for tuning in. We hope that you like the content that we provide. Uh, every week we like to do a weekly recap. We'll do a couple things during the week, whether it's a My Top 3 podcast, uh, Start Bench or Trade, different jersey numbers, a lot of different fun things Suns related. So thanks for tuning in and pressing play. And without further ado, I think it would only be right to crack open a cold one and drop the beat. This is the Suns Report podcast. Week 16. Week 16 is officially behind us, thankfully. That was a long week, man. I mean, five games and seven nights for the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big Suns fan. I love watching as many Suns games as I can. But when you got five and seven, that's a lot of games. Yeah, it's exciting to actually sit down almost every night and there's a game on. But it wasn't just the games. You had all those games plus the trade deadline. Yes. The anxiety was through the roof for the fans, for the players, for the coaching staff of just asking, answering questions over and over and over again about the same stuff, who's on the trade block, all that. And now that it's over, we can finally focus on basketball. Yes. Just focus watching on the last... our team play. Yes. You know? Totally. The last. 30-something games of the season, we can finally go, okay, this is the team. It's locked in. Yes. Let's see what we can do from there. You look at week 16 and, you know, one and four on the week for the Phoenix Suns. That puts us at 21 and 32 on the year and the 13th seed in the Western Conference. Oh, that hurts to say. Yes. We've been fighting for that eighth seed and we really kind of just let it go this week. Yeah. A lot of outside factors played into that. You look at the Suns through 53 games over the past couple of seasons Back in 2017, we were 18 and 35 at this mm-hmm. point. And last year, we were 11 and 42 mm-hmm. at this point. So I know that 21 and 32 is, is progression, and that's what we're thankful for. And even though we're the 13th seed in the West, you have to always remind yourself that the West is extremely hard to compete in. Yes. Every team from top to bottom is high caliber. There's no team that takes a night off. Even the, the Warriors are a team that isn't getting a lot of wins, 
but they're, they still fight and they still claw and, and yeah. nobody takes a night off in the NBA. So, <laughs> you know, the Suns, uh, with those five games and seven nights, leave us with a lot to cover. So let's get right into it. Sound good? Yes, let's do it. All right, so we're going to go all the way back to Super Sunday. That was a Sunday afternoon. The Bucks played the Suns. And if it felt like half the team was off watching the game or preparing to watch the game. because There's no Rubio, no Baines, no Cam Johnson, no Frank the Tank, no Ty Jerome, no Super Dario. I mean, half the team is, is on the bench in street clothes. And on a night when you, you're going against literally the tallest team in the league, yeah. all the Suns had were guards. That's it. That's yeah. all they had. Uh, and they hung in there for a bit. It was a fun game at the beginning, but the physicality of the Bucks proved to be too much. Uh, they gave up 16 offensive rebounds and t- and 60 total rebounds, with Giannis having 19 of those boards. You know, he had 19 boards, six offensive boards. It was just it was a it was a tough game. Aiton 10 for 27 from the field, two for nine from outside the key. Do you think DeAndre Aiton is afraid of physicality? I don't think so. I think he's afraid of his game inside. I think him and I didn't really notice it till a few weeks ago. It's like you know he doesn't have handles yet. He doesn't have. A way of like he can back someone down, but if he has to take it from the top of the key, make a move, he does have a hard time with that. And someone finally pointed out on Twitter, I'm like, duh, like he doesn't know how to handle the ball yet. That's what it is. Physicality, are you talking about just like rebounding or actually getting to the getting to the rim, getting the fouls? A little bit of both. Like when you go up against Giannis, he doesn't go into anybody. Like if he gets the ball and he's down on the block, yeah, he never puts his Shoulder down and tries yeah. to go through somebody. He's always trying to go around people. Yeah. And I feel like when he does that, it's creating a funny shot or mm-hmm. it just it's not successful. Yeah, he, he doesn't actually go at the player, but I'm actually I'm the more and more we're watching, the more and more I'm getting excited. The more and more we do forget about the whole Luka Doncic thing. Of course he's out and injured. But just we have someone that's putting up the 30 and 20 stats like we thought he was gonna yep. be able to do. And now he's doing it. And it's become easy. It's it's almost kind of like where Booker went over and eclipsed the mark of everything's easy for him. He's getting his stats. The only thing is winning now. It's like our players, him, Aiton, and Booker, they're both getting the stats easily. Now it's just we have to try to get wins. And like Agreed. you said, it's, it's tough in the West. And I think the biggest thing we learned from this team is how emotional we are because of how the trade deadline happened. People are uh, – Oubre – Deleted his Twitter. He got back on right after the yeah, trade deadline. Yeah. But um, in this game, you can just tell, even for Booker, like he had the game against OKC the game before mm-hmm. where he had a chance to beat the guy that took his spot. And, of course, he couldn't get it done. And the Suns couldn't get it done against Chris Paul. Chris Paul wins the game. And then Booker in this game, he looks like when he was out there, and I don't know if it was just him, but maybe everybody else too, but the look on him was just like he had to help his like sister move and her, her her boyfriend's there that he hates. He hates her her boyfriend. And he's like, I'm just trying to get through this move and get the day over. That's the way Booker looked. Yeah, that, that's exactly in, the in way that he looked. Game, absolutely. Yeah, and he's of... just like had enough. He's just like, and I knew it. I mean, we've been watching the Suns forever, and this is just the way this team is. Yeah, very emotional. So in this game, you can just totally see it. No, I completely agree. I mean, to your point, Booker had 32. And it was an easy 32 for him. You know, what, what 9 for 15 from the field, 12 yeah. for 13 from the line. In his 50 starts this season, he has 22 30-plus point games. And he just he makes it so easy. But in that game, you're right. And, and again, a, a challenge for the Suns is to not play with that emotion. Yeah. Channel that emotion into yeah. focus. And they tend to get emotional. You know, Aiton was really upset with some of the foul calls in this game. 
and it dictates the way that he plays. If if he's trying, if he's going to the rim and he's not getting the result that he wants, and he believes he's getting fouled and it's not getting called, what does he do? He stops going to the rim. He starts yeah. shooting the jump shots. It changes instead of him going. You know what? I'm going to be the physical force that I can be. Again, mm-hmm. he's still really young and learning how to do that. Yes. He's not going right to the rim. He's like, okay. I'm going to let every my emotion dictate how I'm going to play. I'm not going to channel it into focus on how to beat this team. I'm just going to kind of sit here and exactly. and, and pout almost. Uh, Booker, though, uh, one thing that I found interesting about this, okay? Who do you think holds the highest points per game total for a season in Suns history? Um, is it Tom Chambers? It's Tom Chambers. Yeah. Okay. 27.2 points per game. And he had that in the 89-90 season. And that was 30 seasons ago. And after this week, Booker is currently at 26.7. Do you think he can break TC's mark this year? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because like I said before, it's just easy for him to get the points. Yeah. And then the thing is, though, Ubre is actually kind of moving in there now where he's getting 30 points a game now. So Yeah, Ubre had a really good he, week. Yeah, he is. And Booker doesn't shoot a lot. Like, he's getting no, a lot of these points efficient. with 20 attempts and fewer. Yep. So it's very efficient. But I was gonna I was gonna talk about the Bucks kind of they just remind me so much of the Suns when they were really great. Mm-hmm. They're like the best team during the regular season, but they're not gonna win the championship. This Bucks team You don't think so, huh? No, they're not. Why not? <laughs> because they just don't have it. They just they have it during the regular season. They're gonna beat up on these teams, but I just don't see this team winning. Okay. Can I just say I just don't see it? Because they Ooh, remind hot. me of the Suns where they have like the MVP on in the league and they just don't have what it is. I don't know what it is. They have great shooting, but they're not going to win it this year. I just don't see I can see the Heat beating them. I can see... I will, yeah, I think the East isn't as easy as, it's, as everybody thinks it's going to be to march yeah. through there because you have the 76ers who aren't playing extremely well. Boston who can really... Yeah. You know, tighten down and kind of has a game plan, kind of mm-hmm. on how to uh, beat Giannis. Yes, be right. Even just get to the finals, and then you got to play one of the two LA teams. Yeah. That are going to be sitting there waiting for him. That's going to be tough. Hot takes by Matthew. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, just Poor to, Bucks. Well, to finish up on the Bucks real quick, some advanced stats on this game. On the Suns, 105 shots. 105 shots they took in this game. 92 were contested by the Bucks. That's 87.6 percent of their shots were contested. The Bucks, on the other hand. Shot the ball 97 times, and only 53 were contested. That's 54.6%. Okay. Now, the Bucks lead the league in contested shots per game, and this makes sense. The Suns are 20th in the NBA. Oh, so you're going, I mean, how many factors could have aligned perfectly for the Suns to lose this game? All the injuries. You're going against one of the top teams in the NBA. Uh, you know, and they beat us, what, 129 to 108. So yeah. Super Sunday. Jeez. And super easy. They're, another reason they remind me of the Suns, from back then when they were great with Nash is because they have like that 10 point cushion. It's like they always, they'll go up 20 and then like the Suns will get within 10. Yeah. But it's just so easy for the Bucks to go back up by 20. You know what yeah, I mean? Well, you have to fight so hard yeah. to try to come back and beat them. And then once you start to, like Giannis will go on the bench and, mm-hmm. and you're, okay, we got a chance to get within 10. He comes right back in and it's within yeah. 50. It's, they're up by 15 like this. So, I mean, uh, following that game, we had, it, it was a back to back and then the, the Suns found themselves in Brooklyn the following night. And this was uh, another injury-rattled evening. You know, Tyler Johnson was now injured, so he couldn't play in this game. And the Suns end up losing to the Nets 119-97. to And what annoyed me in this game, which it, this is something I really got to spend the time and just find out what the stat is, but Levert hit a three-pointer to end the first quarter. Yeah. Like, how many buzzer beaters are the Suns going to give up? How many? <laughs> yeah. Every game, I feel like there's a buzzer beater. There is. <laughs> there's know? always one buzzer beater, and then we only have one guy that can make a buzzer yeah. beater, and it's Kelly, Kelly Oubre. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna go back and, and like literally go game by game 
on uh, yeah. NBA Advanced Stats and try to find something. It's at least 0.5 a game. It's, it it, it's got to be. It's insane. <laughs> uh, but the Suns were only down by three at the half, and they ended up losing by 22. And the three ball killed us again. The Suns went three for seven from beyond the arc in the second half. The Nets went 10 for 21. So they made seven more three-pointers than we did. That's 21 points right there. We lose by 22. It's the second straight game in which the opposition made nine more threes than the Suns. Yeah. And this was Booker's worst worst shooting night of the year. He went three for 15 and tied a season low with 11 points. I mean, it it was just one of those games where they come out on that ugly Brooklyn court, which I know you love. Yeah. Uh, They come out on that court. They're playing. they're, They're going back and forth with them in the first half. And then the second half is just... You could tell that the team was was tired at this point. I mean, back-to-back, ton of guys injured, a lot of minutes for the Suns, and they just didn't have it in the second half of that game. Yeah. There's always excuses, I feel like. <laughs> when we're going so, through such a rough time uh, with the team, it's nothing is ever easy. Like, there's always injuries. There's always the back-to-backs. There's the snubs getting into the All-Star game, like the snub player that doesn't get into the All-Star game. So... There's just always a lot to overcome. Like I mentioned before, an emotional team, they don't channel the right energy into the games. They don't find a way to figure it out and get the wins. They just don't do it. And like we can sit here all day and like make excuses. I even looked up like the most injured teams this year. And like we're like number 20 with like actual players out. Well, yeah, everybody's always injured. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I don't want excuses. I want them to really try to focus on getting a win. And things that went through my head in this game, it's just. It got really dark. I think this is after this game was better, but this game it was just like I was thinking like uh, they have no time. It feels like to wait for Aiden. You know, to he's been having dominant games, but yeah. it just it makes me feel like the players, especially Booker, it's just like we don't have time to wait for him. And like a lot of it too is we don't have time for the injuries to heal. There's so many players that are out. Cam mm-hmm. Cam came back later on, but and also there's just uh, Rubio needs to get sleep or needs to get rest or something because he is just i think there's maybe a minor injury but i think a lot of it's just his energy he doesn't have the energy right now yeah Papa he looks Ricky's thinner. Having a hard time. it looks like he lost like 10 pounds and he's like smoking cigarettes in the locker room he's just <laughs> having a hard time right now well, five i don't know pounds, what it is five of those pounds were off the beard when he trimmed it down yeah but he does look, yeah you know he's a new yeah. father and you know there's probably some late nights but i mean this is he's on the road in this instance but yeah, he's he's pulling some late nights or something, and he's not out at the club with the other guys. You know, he's being I don't Pop, think so. He's Papa Ricky. Yeah, and he hasn't played as well as he did for, in the first half of the season. But I think you hit on a really interesting point there. He, there's going to be some nagging injuries with uh, Ricky Rubio, without a doubt. He's always been an injury prone player, and I think he's done a good job of fighting through uh, some nicks and bruises along the way. Yeah, uh, there was a game the other night where he got kneed right in the back of the calf. I like know. that looks. Like, it fucking hurts. Yeah. You know, and imagine having to play NBA basketball with those kind of little nicks and bruises. But to your point, everybody's injured right now. Mm-hmm. The Suns need to learn how to overcome it. And again, we have to remember that we are on, you know, I, I wouldn't say that the timeline is applicable anymore. I mean, Ryan McDonough's timeline is dead. But we are on, you have, we are on some sort of timeline as DeAndre Aiden is in his second year and he's developing as a player. He's really starting to showcase. Listen, he's not going to be the best player on our team. Booker is. If we get like a 1A and a 1B on our scoring front with Booker and then you have Aiden as your third best player, that's a recipe for success. But when you're relying on him to be your second best player, that's when trouble abounds. See, I, I disagree though on that. Because okay. I'm still on the front where I think Booker is probably the second or third best player on a championship team. And I think Aiden can be number one just because of how good he is lately. The stats he's absorbing so easily, 
is actually something I've never seen for a Sun Center. Yeah. And like even in the league, like he's putting up if we're winning these games, people are talking about him because he is playing out of his mind. Oh yeah. And he the next two or three seasons he's gonna get even better, dude. Well, heck yeah. So I think he can be our number one guy on offense where you're gonna have to go you go through Aiton and everything else. And I still think Booker as great as he is it's still going to be our second or third best player on a championship team. Well, it's uh, something that we've talked about on our previous podcast about just that. Booker will be a champion when he's like 27 and he's not playing on the Suns anymore. Or <laughs> yeah. maybe not 27. Let's say like 30. Yeah. And he's just a scorer who comes in and scores. And he doesn't have to carry the load of the team. So that's something that I can see. You know, I'm, I'm forecasting the future on that one. But I think with this team and then the modern NBA... I can't see Aiton being the the number one. I can see, oh. like you said, I can kind of see the offense yeah. running through him eventually, to where every time he gets doubled, they're dishing yeah. the ball. Or, or, you know, he he's getting the ball, he's dishing it to the appropriate player. He's just not there yet. He's not yeah. going to be for a while. But I another feel. point, I know you say the modern NBA, but things now the modern NBA to me is things change so quickly where it's like okay, draft a big, that'll be your like Embiid. Like MVP, yeah. he was going to be the MVP. Jokic, MVP favorite. You still have to have the big. Also, I mean, look at the Rockets, what they're doing right now. Like, we'll talk about the game later, yeah. but it's insane how quickly they can come back in a game because of how small and the fast breaks they're running. Like, so I think it just changes so quickly. You just have to have that one player, like I think Aiton can be. And then Embiid, I don't know what happened to him. He's not wanting to play basketball anymore for some reason so well you know Shaq I mean? hasn't called him out on TNT exactly. in, in like so, two months so yeah so, that's what it takes to light a fire up his ass yeah those again are all very valid points but real quick to put a bow on the the Nets game uh did you see KD on the bench wearing yes. a waiting to exhale t-shirt oh no no he's, what was he wearing he's wearing a, a waiting to exhale t-shirt what is that all right so uh, for those of you who don't know which it appears is you waiting <laughs> waiting to exhale is a movie that came out in 1995 and starred Whitney Houston and Angela Bassett Oh, cool. And what's funny about that movie, and I don't know if KD was being like super clever or just lucked out here, but do you know what city is the backdrop for Waiting to Exhale? Is it Brooklyn? It's Phoenix. Oh, is it Phoenix? It happens in Phoenix. No, oh, so. yeah, I remember because they're on a Ferris wheel and you can see downtown Chandler. Yeah. You can see my mom's office that she was working at in that movie. I remember that Waiting scene. to Exhale. Yeah. So shout out to KD. I don't know if you're being clever, but man, it made man, me laugh when I was Phoenix. watching that game. But it's funny you brought him up because I actually put in my notes how intimidating... Because he sits there where the coaches are. And oh, he was all, talking shit the whole game. But that's all he does. He yeah. watches the players and he talks shit, like to his own players. Yeah. Also talk to the other players too as well. But it just must be intimidating to play in front of him. And you know after every play you perform, like he's going to have something to say about it. Yeah. you Because know, that's what I was watching every time after the play. I just watched KD. Like yeah. either he would like move forward, say something to the guy on the bench or like talk crap to the actual Suns player. Yeah. So it was cool. I liked I liked it. It just seemed very intimidating. Staining. Oh, heck yeah. Heck yeah. 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 He's just a badass, I think. <laughs> no, I, I completely <laughs> yeah. agree. Durantula. All right, real quick. It's time for a beer break. All right. The next game we had was on Wednesday night, and that was the Pistons against the Suns. And the Pistons won this game 116 to 108. And coming into this game, there were all these rumors surrounding the Suns acquiring Detroit shooting guard Luke Kennard and Kelly Oubre being on the trading block. Then, of course, the game starts. And the Luke Kennard thing is instantly like fizzled by Woj. And then Kelly Oubre, pretty much instead of, you know, whenever he makes a three, blows a kiss, he pretty much was like just blowing middle fingers to everybody. He's like, you're going to trade me? Here, here, I'm going to drop my season high 30 points on this game. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kelly Oubre was amazing in this game. He was. And he was brought up in a lot of the trades, 
But I mean, people were fielding calls about him, and I even told you if we're gonna like land someone big like D'Lo, like I thought maybe it might happen, it would have yeah. to be Uber that would go. Oh yeah. Or even Cat, if that were to happen, Uber would be involved. But that should be a compliment to him of how good of a player he is. Where the Suns want to keep him, mm-hmm. how valuable he is, is basically just showing like we're not gonna accept crap for Uber. We're not gonna get picks back. We're not gonna get. Maybe Luke Kennard. I don't think so. I don't think he Ooh, was in gross. Luke. Con- Luke no. Kennard for Kelly Oubre. I mean, I still wanted Luke Kennard, but it's like we would probably just give him a pick and like yeah, and like a Javon couple Carter, of the- yeah, and yeah. Well, we'll talk more about Kelly Oubre and the trades and everything. Oh yeah, the trade. on our on our trade time podcast, yep. which will be dropping on Tuesday. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, but again, it felt like half the roster was chilling in street clothes, and in a game that features Andre Drummond, who's the league's top rebounder, not having depth at the five hurts. If you have Baines and Kaminsky, you can wear Drummond down. You know, you can foul yeah. him. He's a what, like a sixty percent free throw shooter. So you have these guys who you can just throw in there, just foul the crud out of the guy, yeah, and wear can. him down and 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 make it penalize him for being down on the blocks. But they didn't do that. They just had Aiden and Diallo playing the five. So Drummond had his way in this game. He went batshit crazy. Had what thirty one points, nineteen rebounds. Yeah, he did. I mean, he had like his best game of the season. Yeah, and and then, <laughs> and then they trade him the next they trade, day. They do trade him. It's like, why couldn't you have traded him yeah. that day? Why do but, we have to wait a day? But of course, we'll talk about it on trade time. Yeah. But I want to go into that on our trade time podcast. Yeah. Um, but dude, I think I'm going back to the Nash era. Like we used to just play seven players, and I think right now we don't have any of the players injured that are our seven best players. Agreed. Yeah. So there should be no excuse. I know we only have one backup center, but come on, like that's. The way it should be, in my eye, you have DeAndre and you have a backup center to come in. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't have the eighth or ninth guy, but we should be able to get these. Because I even wrote, like, Nets, winnable. Yeah, I'm in a dark oh, place yeah. when we come to Detroit, and I'm like, this has to be a win, right? Oh, yeah. This, is, this team's way worse than the Nets. It's ter- Like, who even scored on this team? <laughs> I don't even know one player's name that scored on this team Other besides than Andre Drummond. Yeah. And he had 31. And I didn't even know he scored. No, it was, I mean... Four players for the Suns played 41 minutes or more. Oubre, Booker, Aiton, and Bridges. Yeah. And, and what killed the Suns in this game is, again, mental focus. It was a sloppy game for the Suns. 16 turnovers, outscored in the paint by 14 points, and gave up 14 offensive boards. That's sloppiness and laziness. That's not yes. being focused. That's coming into it thinking like we do. Oh, this is Detroit. This is a game we should run through and just kick the shit out of the guys. And they didn't. They came in, again, lackadaisical, playing to the level of their competition. And when you do that to a team and you're on their home floor, you're going to lose those games. You are. And again, that's that lack of focus that the Suns, they're so close in so many different areas to being a winning team. They really are. If you look at some of the the clutch time stats and you take a look at just a play here or a play there, you know, uh, the play in San Antonio and the foul calls back in Mexico City, not in San Antonio, but in Mexico City, a couple plays against Denver on a game on uh, December 23rd. If they win these games, they're like a 500 team. And that's what it takes in the NBA. It's not... It's not the totality of a game. It's micro. It's moments in a game mm-hmm. that determine not just the game, but your path for the season. And especially when you're a team like the Suns that's trying to learn to win, to build a winning culture. Again, they're better than they were last year. You know, yes, way better they than they were last way year. Better. They're better than they were two years ago when, with a team that resulted in the number one pick in in the league. They're definitely better, but they're just not at that point yet in which they are overcoming these obstacles. Yeah, because what last year, the last two years, it would be the Suns would be close in a game in the fourth and then lose by 20. Yes. Now we're just close to the very end, to the last two minutes, 
The next step is just getting the wins. That will be next season. And again, in this game, when they lost or when I knew they were going to lose, I went to a dark place again. And I was thinking about, remember when we were like 7-4 and and Monte bought those buckets? Yes. I thought it was really cheesy. I didn't like it. (laughs) I didn't like it at all. So I'm like, maybe that's the turning point. Maybe that's what happened is the players didn't respect that. And they just thought it was cheap, but that's Who just that's knows? just dark thoughts. But it's not even true. Well, yeah, but you're, it, it just it makes you think like, what happened to this season? What happened? So I I try to pull that out and think like maybe that's a good excuse. Well, it's but it's, it, not. it's like it's like you said, you know, you go to that dark place as a yeah. Suns fan. It's like when you text a girlfriend and yeah. she doesn't respond forever, but you see it was red. You instantly go to the darkest thoughts possible. You're not like, oh, she's busy at work, or oh, she's yeah. driving, and she shouldn't be texting and driving. Yeah. You're like, oh, she saw that, and she's not responding on purpose. She's with another guy. Yeah. They have a family together. Like You instantly go down yeah. these dark rabbit holes, and that's what starts to happen with the Suns. When you start to see lo- when losing becomes a culture, you're trying to find out why losing is becoming yeah. a culture. Again, this is a three-game road trip against two teams that are beatable. Okay, Milwaukee's not a team that we're going to beat. I no, don't, yeah. you know, I play them close. We we had their number last year. We beat them both times. I think what what stat did I see? It was the only time in NBA history where a team that won less than 20 games beat the top team in the league twice. But I didn't expect to beat Milwaukee. I expected to beat Brooklyn, and I definitely expected to beat Detroit. Yes. And then what happens after that? The trade deadline. Again, we'll talk about that on another podcast. And then Friday night, the Suns are home, and then they play the Houston Rockets. And we're all happy again. Yes. And then we all love sudden, our team. Yes. Oh, we're all we back. Love it. We're, we're we no longer it. in the dark place. Yeah. We're frolicking around we're in meadows of dandelions and, yeah. and loving it because the Rockets get their teeth kicked in by the Suns, 127-91. to 91. Uh-huh. Uh, The Rockets have their new-look lineup, their tiny lineup, if you will, with six uh, six P.J. Tucker playing the center. And, you know, I, got, I guess my first question, what are your thoughts on that lineup and, well, and, and that philosophy behind it? The starting lineup, actually, including the Lakers game, was 5-0. So this is the first time they had it since they traded Capella, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, Capella was getting a lot less sexier over the years, just because of the offense they were running, like he's not going to survive. This lineup, I'm going to tell you, is I think it's scary. I, I Do you know think it's revolutionary. That's my thing with yeah. Mike D'Antoni. Okay, he had so many reg- not so many regrets, a few regrets with the Suns when he was here. He didn't do what he his creative mind. He didn't pull it. He didn't put it to like the the full amount. He didn't, he didn't maximize the potential. He, of it. he didn't. And like, thank you for yeah saving me on that. So he <laughs> he didn't have his maximized potential with his creative mind of just being a basketball like guru that he is there you go again (laughs) we finish each other's sandwiches yeah no but part of that though is the general manager yeah you know i mean they didn't allow d'antoni to reach his potential because every after every season they tried to perfect it they're like well let's just take away joe johnson and quentin Mm -hmm. richardson let's give you kurt thomas you know so they were always trying to kind of tweak and perfect it but i get what you're saying on the mike d'antoni point given his basketball mind mm-hmm. he can really do a lot he didn't do it in phoenix do you feel like he's trying to do that with this lineup yeah because houston? this is his last year and everyone knows that it's his last year probably here in houston so he's probably like i'm not gonna play capella ever so right now you can trade him and get something back and yeah. they got something back i mean covington but i'm scared of the lineup. we're up by 20 and they beat the lakers they weren't playing westbrook this lineup full strength I really think can do some damage. I know people they are can score. people are saying like 
it's not fun to watch. I think they're better to watch now because they don't have some guy in the middle that's not going to do anything. Their fast breaks are going to go up twice as much now. They're a super fast team. You'll be up by 20, and all of a sudden they will have you down to six, just like that, that oh, yeah. quick. Well, they did, how, they did to us. They yeah, got us down to five like that. And the reason Aiden didn't have a good game is because no one knows what to do yet because he'll get triple teamed down there. Mm-hmm. He can't move. It's like a giant going through New York City yeah. with all the buildings. Like, you can't move yeah. if you get the ball where he's getting the ball. And if you move a certain way, it's a foul. Exactly. Because they're all coming from underneath yeah. him. The flops. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna do the flops oh, yeah. where they have their... Uh, oh, yeah. It's like, uh, uh, <laughs> like that. Well, and I'm one of those people who thinks that Houston is absolutely abysmal to watch. You know, typically oh, yeah. their game plan is Westbrook, ISO, drive, kick to Harden, ISO, drive, bullshit foul. Like, that's typically the way that they run their whole offense. But without Westbrook and then Gordon getting hurt uh, in the middle of this game, it just it changed the whole outlook of the game. It uh, helped us a lot. It really did. We would have lost if... I, I really think that we would have lost if they were just full strength. Oh, I know we would have. Obviously. You know, they, they could outscore us again. We were up by 20. Harden goes, you know, 3-3-3. Three, three, yeah. three, and all of a sudden, you're like, what just happened? Three Suns con- were making their shot. It was like kind of like the Dallas game where we, we could not miss one shot. Well, yeah. You look at the first quarter. The Suns had 46 points. Yes. Okay, 46. They were unconscious in that first quarter. They missed only three shots, and they were 8 for 10 from beyond the arc. And then you see the second quarter, they were very conscious, if you will. They were 28.6%. Yeah. Well, they were 6 for 21 from the field. I mean, Uh so it's just like you come out for 46, and then the second quarter they come out, and they scored like 19 points. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, just let them right back in. Here's one question I got for you. Yes. Do you think that if James Harden keeps going down the lane, and and every time somebody looks at him, he throws his head back violently, that he's going to end up with CTE? No, I think it's probably the uh, stripper's big booties bouncing into his face. Yeah, that'll get him CTE. <laughs> I think a combination of both. <laughs> yeah. And we might see Net, a Netflix well, that's documentary yeah. on this guy. <laughs> I mean, it was every time. He's so annoying to watch. And I'm yeah. not the first person to say that. And you got to give James Harden credit because like he knows how to play the ref. He knows how he, to set, put him, his body in a position in which he does yeah. something. He gets underneath a defense. Uh, uh, if I was standing... Just uh-huh. with my arms at my side, he would put the ball like into my arm and come up and lift my arm up and it'd be a foul yeah. on me. Like the guy's perfected it. But, you got to give it to people him. People are picking up on that, and for the defenses to adjust and him to still get the points to get the fouls is insane to me. I love it, just like the way Kobe was. People hated Kobe just the way he played out selfish. But I love players that are just really, 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 really great at what they do. This is what James Harden That's does. What he is. And if any team picks him up, that fan base would be like, oh, I love Harden Heck now because yeah. he's getting yeah. you points and they're going to win. Like he went, he made like six threes in a row before the Suns finally called a timeout or something or started to double team him. Yeah, you know no, what you're mean? right. It's just like he's going to beat you. And if they're not at full strength, he doesn't have the extra pieces. Of course not. But I'm telling you, this Rockets team, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the Western Conference Finals or even the Finals. Well, it all depends on the, their matchups and who they have to go through, but I completely agree with you. They are yeah. a, they're a scary, violent team. You don't know, No one knows what to do with them yet, so yeah. we'll, well, we'll see. Exactly, but in a playoff series against Anthony Davis, I think that the Lakers could probably figure we'll it see, out. We'll see, man. We will. Uh, we'll one thing I did enjoy in this game was seeing the Suns take advantage of mismatches. And they don't always do this well. You know, if there's a high screen and roll and there's a guard switching on Aiden, the Suns typically don't get him the ball in time to take advantage of the mismatch. Like a lot of times, Ricky Rubio, he'll run the high screen and roll. And whenever he seems to go left, he just can't find Aiden. He keeps going yeah. left. And he doesn't even look back to like see if he's open. And I feel in this game, they did a good job of getting the ball to Aiden when he had the mismatches down low. But more importantly, because of Aiden's size and their lack of size from the interior, you saw a lot of the Rockets collapsing in on those high uh, screen and rolls. And next thing you know, 
were popping the ball out to Kelly Oubre. Yeah. And Kelly Oubre, you know, speaking of Tsunami Poppy, it oh was his God. it was uh, his Valley Boys bobblehead night, and the dude did not disappoint. Do you have his three point stats? For like that, his percentage? For, for what for that game? What oh no, that? just like the last I don't know why you would have it. <laughs> no, I had his like last six games. The one before this game, he was shooting almost fifty percent from three in the last six games. Ever since But anyways, continue. I'm no, sorry. No, no you're just, good. Well, he went seven for nine from deep from three yeah, point so land in this game. Fifty percent now. You know, I mean he just unbelievably efficient night for Kelly the Matrix Tubre. Yep. Fourteen for nineteen from the field, including the, that seven for nine from three point land. What do you think of his performance? Well, it just has to do with the emotion of this team and how the trade deadline is gone. Yes. He even mentioned the team was so happy to see each other that they all made it. And because it's a great group of guys, you know, like they love hanging out with each other, it seems like, Mm -hmm. because that's all they talk about now, especially when the trade deadline's done. But, dude, like you can just tell everything was lifted off this team's shoulders. It helped that the Rockets weren't very healthy. but Of course. But Kelly, you're to, you have to win those games, though. Exactly. But Kelly Oubre, man, the clutchest player in Suns history. I know I said three-point shooter ever. He's just the clutchest player ever. Well, he leads the Suns league history. in clutch uh, three-pointers this season. He's 11 clutch time three-pointers. I saw that, yeah. yeah. I actually had that written down, too. Yeah, which I was like, okay, that that's was, impressive. But is that crazy? It's like top five? I'm like, wow, like 11's great. Yeah. And I, I'm like, I don't even know the list, but... Yeah, anyway, but still, yeah. I mean, way to go, Kelly. Uh, one thing that was funny, I was watching this game with my fiance, and I kept like, yeah, Tsunami Poppy. She's like, why isn't he called Poppy Tsunami? Oh, I don't Tsunami know. Poppy I, sounds better. I, well, yeah. Now it, it, does. <laughs> well, now it does. When you see my fiance, tell her that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but he ended a uh, career-high 39 points in this game. Booker added 33 points. Ruby had 10 assists. And it was just really fun to watch the Suns kick the shit out of it the Rockets. It was great. You know, again, these are the, the, the games you should win. You know, we're a depleted roster right now due to injuries. They were injured too. Let's go beat them. Yeah. Uh, and it was their second best shooting night of the year. They shot 55.8% from the field. I mean, just in summary, it was a good night. Last game, game number five of week 16. Another back-to-back. Was Yeah, another back-to-back. Uh, and this one was at home against the Denver Nuggets. 117 to 108, a Saturday night victory for the team from Denver. And I had the pleasure of going to this game with my lovely other half on a date night. And that's why I love her, because when it's date night, we go to Suns games. I've never met this lady yet. Who is she? <laughs> She's awesome. That's who she is. Uh, and much again, much akin to the Rockets game, the Suns came out hot and they scored 37 points in the first quarter. Uh-huh. And just like the previous night, they had a uh, letdown in the second quarter. The second started with an 8 0 run. Uh, which lost the crowd. You know, being in the yeah. building, we're all hyped up. We're up by, I think, 10 at ha- after the first quarter. And then the the Nuggets come out and just score eight right away. And everybody it kind of deflates everything. Mm-hmm. They only scored 17 points in that second quarter. Why do you think they have these letdown quarters? Good question. Right on the spot. It's like an interview question, you know. First you say, good question. You got to think about it. <laughs> it's because the lower IQ that the Suns do have, basketball IQ, and just being young. It's yeah. just... That's the only thing I could think of. Um, the coaching, and nothing is stable with this team at all besides Booker. So I think once they get to know each other more, playing together longer, having a coaching staff in place more than a year, yeah, I'm just saying that is actually seriously the biggest issue I have with them going, like you said, like, but I think teams know how to call timeouts better than the Suns. I know you said after first quarter, but still it's just like other teams know how to call timeouts to stop the Suns from runs. Suns don't know how to continue after the timeouts to continue to get yeah. like the good looks, you know. And so I, I, I noticed I just, a couple I think times in this game, like coming out of timeouts. Yeah, the Denver had really good plays drawn up, 
and the Suns would come out and turn it over. No, no, they've always done that. Yeah, and I don't know. I just think it's a low basketball IQ, man. It's just a young team. Yep. I really think that's all it is. Uh, Aiton had a killer first half in this game. He had 18 points and 11 boards on eight for 11 shooting. Yeah. And he looked really, really good. And mm-hmm. we talked about physicality a little bit earlier in this pod. He was aggressive going up against the Joker, and it paid off. You know, he ended the night with 28 and 19 yeah. against one of the best centers in the league. Why? Because he was aggressive. He was going down low. He wasn't shooting jump shots. He mm-hmm. shot like a, a crap three at the end of the first half. But everything else, for the most part, was coming within 10 feet. Mm-hmm. And that's where DeAndre Ayton needs to live. He needs to live within 10 feet. Especially going up against a guy like Jokic, uh, who, like my dad says, can't jump over a nickel. <laughs> he can't. So he's not going to like. He's not going to deflect your shot. He's not going to block it. He's not going to put... He might like adjust your shot a little bit, but he's easier to score on than most of the centers in the league. Um, but... Did you see what Jokic said after the game, too, about Aiden? How he's just... I didn't. I was driving home. He said he's a powerful guy. He okay. said this guy is going to be really great in a couple years. He said the only thing he needs to focus on is getting a little bit more experience. Just the mm-hmm. experience in the league. That's what is with... That's the biggest thing with Aiden is he's never really played basketball that long. Like Doncic, where he's played since he was one years old. Like, this is newer to Aiden. And... He had a 25-game suspension. Everyone knows that. But also, too, in U of A, you really think he was playing any basketball? No. Great skill set. Just needs the experience. Well, he was playing against the Pac-10. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So him saying that, it makes sense. It's just he needs experience. He needs a time. So that was great to hear, especially from Jokic, man. Well, it was it was fun to watch him be physical. And I was I was telling my fiance, I'm like, every time I go to a Suns game, DeAndre Ayton plays amazing. Oh, does he? Yeah, he does. It's your jersey. Shows. It is, yeah. I, I wear oh, the, you didn't wear your jersey? No, nah, I didn't wear the jersey on this one. Well, you took a picture with my dad. I did. I got yeah. a picture with EJ at the end of the game. So uh, for the new listeners out there, Matthew thinks Eddie Johnson's his dad. So He is. <laughs> okay. Uh, what lost this game for us is really simple. Okay? We played well. This was a really entertaining game. It Going was. against one of the best teams in the NBA, period. The Suns hung with them shot for shot. Uh, physical game. Fun to watch. Uh some bad calls, but I mean, it's the NBA. But what killed us was Jamal freaking Murray. This guy, I was hanging out with my cousin before the game uh, at the Palomar Hotel, like kind of catty corner from the arena. And he, my cousin's a big Jokic fan. And we were talking about the game. And I'm like, the one thing that scares me is not Jokic. Jokic will get his. It's Jamal Murray. Because for some reason, this guy owns the Suns. And go figure, he drops 36 on us. 14 for 17 shooting. He only missed three shots. He went six for eight from downtown. And this season, he's averaged 28.3 points per game against the Suns in four games. The only team he has a higher points per game against is Utah, and that's in one game that he played against them. Uh, in his career, his he averages the second most points per game against the Suns. I don't know if you recall, but he hit the game winner against the Suns on December yeah. 23rd. I was at, We were at that game too. So my question to you, who scares you more, Jokic or Murray? It's Murray, and you know yeah. why he does so good against the Suns? Probably because he's a Kentucky guy, and he's playing against Devin Booker. It might be. Okay. But the actual real reason is because oh. he looks like a guy who, I saw this on Twitter, like he looks like a dude that's a lawyer. But to me, he looks like a guy that works in an office all day, a cubicle all day. The lighting in that arena is cubicle lighting. It is the worst <laughs> fluorescent lighting ever. It is. And I swear that's why this guy thrives there, because he can see everything perfectly. You know yeah, what I he, mean? He's accustomed to it. He works yeah, in a cubicle. <laughs> exactly. But <laughs> I can't wait for the new lighting next year. That's all I got to say. But yeah, like you said, I am way more... Because Jokic is going to get his. Mm-hmm. 
But Jamal Murray, but you got to contain everybody else. He can't Jamal miss. Just, he, he it doesn't matter what you do. He couldn't. In this and he's game. smiling on the sideline. Oh, he's it was a great good. game. Yeah. but I still was pissed. Well, he he killed us. Yeah. Uh, one thing you got to give it up to Denver for shutting Booker down this season. Booker against Denver in four games has fifteen point five points per game, three rebounds per game, shot thirty point six percent from the field, and twenty point seven percent from three point land. Mm-hmm. Denver owns Devin Booker, and that's yeah. something to remember moving forward in upcoming seasons is how does he respond to that. Uh, screen assist is something that I'm really big on because, again, a screen assist is an opportunity to get your team a wide-open shot. And the Suns only had seven screen assists in this game that resulted in 14 points. Mm-hmm. The Serbian Tim Duncan, Nikola Jokic, himself had nine screen assists that resulted in 21 Nuggets points. So, again, uh, this is a really good team that we're playing against. We 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 hung in there and we fought, but if you were to look back at the beginning of this week, my hope would be going three and two in the five games. Uh, at worst, two and three, and we ended the week one and four. But we got our sons back, and I love my sons. Yes, this is the team that started the season out yes. with Aiden, and we got him back. So I am very excited, even though we lost. Entertaining game. Amen. Not getting your butts kicked every game. Yes. Time for a break. All right, we're back. Uh, some weekly notes, some things that I jotted down just to kind of uh, make some observations about the Suns, not only on this week, on this season. And my first one is the three-point shooting obviously continues to be a problem for the Suns. Uh, Cam Johnson was out for the majority of this week. He did play two games. In his first game back against Detroit, he was, or, or I'm sorry, against the Rockets, he was 0 for 6. Yeah. Uh, he did play better last night against the Denver Nuggets. But what I've noticed is the key number is 4. For the Phoenix Suns. If the Suns make four or more three-pointers than the opposition does, they're 9-1 and one on the season. Okay. If the opposition makes four or more three-pointers than the Suns do, they're 0-12. Oh, wow. So so the opposition, they'll make their 23s a game, and we just got to make 24-25. Exactly. That's the only <laughs> that's way to beat them. That's the only way to beat them, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> you look at that, that's about 12 points. You know, yeah. four three-pointers, 12 points. And you look at it, and that's exactly yeah. what it is. So it's just, again... I highly doubt that the Suns are sitting there in, in the huddle in the middle of the third quarter, be like, "Listen, we've got we're down three three pointers to them. We got to yeah. we got to make we got to keep it within four, and we have a chance to yep. win this game." Um, I also think that Monty needs to tell Aiden to go to the hoop. You know, we talk yeah. about this a little bit. Stop the jumpers inside of ten feet this season. Aiden is shooting sixty two point four percent. Outside of ten feet, he's shooting thirty six point four percent. And he dominated a lot this week, and he was aggressive because he wasn't shooting a lot of those jump shots. It was only really against Giannis that he was shooting those jump shots. When he's tentative and settles, he looks average. Mm-hmm. When he's aggressive and physical and going to the hoop, I'm not breaking any news here. This is basic stuff. But again, the stats kind of prove it. And again, Aiden just get to that hoop. And I guess my primary takeaway from this week is remember that this is a building year. You know, again, this is a team that our expectations have ballooned at the beginning of the season. They've come down. They've gone up. They've gone down. Just like this team has. This team is a very schizophrenic team. They look very good on nights, and they look very average on other nights. And this week kind of showed that. If they stick to the game plan every game, yeah, we will probably win half those games. I think, like I said, can't say it enough, just emotional team. They play off their emotion. They got to just stick. And I know Monte probably tr- tries to put that in their head as much as he can. But if they stick to the game plan, man, 
I really think they can finish the season out like going to 500. Yep. Now that we don't have to worry about trades, but um, 29 games left in the season. Yeah. Do you think we can close that gap? I mean, where do you think we end up now? I think it's 35 to 40 wins. I really do. 40 uh, wins is a lot. Well, not 240. So okay. Yeah, I, I. It's weird, but I think now that there isn't a whole lot of expectations that are like kind of falling back, they'll get to that 35 point or 35 win mark. I think just because I don't think they think they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, we don't think, I've said it two weeks ago, we're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. So maybe with less amount of pressure on them, just they'll get to the 35 win mark easier. Mm-hmm. And it, it's reachable. It, it can happen. And they just got to go 500 the rest of the year. Well, what, what was Vegas's over-under on the beginning of the season? Was it like 20, I think it was 29 or 29, something. Yeah, 29, 29 and a half. half. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. Let's see if they can, uh, they can at least beat that. Uh-huh. You know. Uh, <laughs> so what notes do you have on the week? Well, I just have like a little rundown of the players. Since we're so injured, I did it a couple weeks ago on the Solar Report yeah, that we old, had before. Our old podcast. Our old podcast. I just ran through a list of the players and just things I wanted to just... This is who they are. Basically, I just went through the starting five now because gotcha. everyone's injured. So this is the Matthew Lissy roster rundown. Yeah, just really quick. So Ricky Rubio, I miss him being our Rajon Rondo, the 10-10-10 guy. Yeah. Um, almost putting up a triple-double every game. But I think he's just in a slump now, and I think he is hurt. I think he needs Papa Ricky needs some rest. I hope he gets rest. I will rent him a hotel room with and max out my credit card to get him some rest. I will babysit for him too. I need him back because I need my Papa Ricky back. So Kelly Oubre, we already talked about it though. You said like the top, or he had eleven clutch threes. He is the clutchest son. This is who he is. He's the clutchest son in Suns history. He. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna say that. And then. I like him taking the big shots. Just continue to take the big shots so that when the Suns are in the playoffs in the future and Booker still can't hit the big shot, then Rachel Nichols can go on there. And that's the one thing she can say about the Suns because she always gives us a hard time. <laughs> I know. She and does. I can't stand her. So that's what she'll talk about. <laughs> Aiton is just the young buck, man. He is learning the game. And the team is beginning to welcome him being a student of the game and him actually learning this year. And I love it. I and love I, it I out hope, there. I hope the fans do that more because I, you get so many people who jump on his back when he has yes. a, a subpar game. It's like, listen, the guy's a second-year guy. He's dominating. He's dominating yeah. a lot. And every now and then he has a down game. Yeah. Like, don't sit there and be like, oh, this exactly. is the end. Trade him, you know? Like, it, the guy's learning. Give him a chance to learn. And if you go to work, if we go to work and our bosses are on us and other people are talking about how we can't do our jobs, we need time to learn sometimes. Mm-hmm. Train me. Give him some time so booker the lone journey of booker to stardom this is a different route i hope he takes other than different from any other player where he can just get to stardom and he is on his own path basically do you, do you know what i mean no totally okay and then bridges man he just needs to get pissed off more i think the best way he plays is when he's pissed off there was a play against the rockets against james harden where harden juked him out he almost fell uh, yeah. Bridges did, but then the next play he took same the ball play. from him. Same oh, play. Same play. Same play. He took the he, ball he from him. Snatched it from him. It was great. That he because he got pissed. He's like, yeah. you know what? I'm better than this. Yeah. I, you're not going to get by me. And mm-hmm. he took the ball from him. He is. He needs to get pissed more. Him and DeAndre have this like draft connection. Yes. To where when one's playing good, the other one's playing great. And like I don't know what it is, but when they're both down, you can tell the confidence is down in both of them. Yep. So that's some weird observation I had. And that's the rundown because that's all the players we have that are good right now. <laughs> that, are <coming. laughs> that are playing. Well, thank you for the Matthew Lissy rundown. Uh, stat of the week. In three of our four losses this week, we've allowed teams to thrive from downtown. Milwaukee came into the game shooting 39% from deep on the season. They shot 39.5%. 
Brooklyn shot 35.4% from downtown coming into their game against the Suns. They shot 44.1% from downtown. Mm -hmm. Detroit came into the game shooting 36.5% prior to playing the Suns, and they shot 43% from downtown. My point, our perimeter defense is really starting to become an issue. We're making, We're allowing teams who are not necessarily great three-point shooting teams to become great three-point shooting teams against us. Yeah, a lot of lazy plays on defense. Yes. I'm not going to call anybody out, Booker, but there was a lot of plays that were given up on defense. So it's like you said, just cover them. Like I watched the Rockets game and what they do on the perimeter and how fast they are getting to people on the outside is great. I just wish the Suns can be almost that way, just half as much as that, as what the Rockets can do on defense. I know that's weird to say, but they do get to their... Get, get to the guys quick. Exactly. On the they clo- close out contest- they do. contested shots. Close out, not get to them. <laughs> it's funny. I was uh, When I was at the Nuggets game, sitting at two seats over from me was like this old man with like a white beard. He had like a 90, 1993 Sun shirt on, sitting by himself, just mumbling to himself the whole game. And nice. I, I, I'd pick up a couple things that he would say. And then around the end of the game, you know, there's a couple of different plays where he just starts bitching about Booker. I'm like, I'm like what'd you say? He's like, he just never switches on defense. Yeah. You know, he's like, the third time I've seen that. And I was like, yeah, no. I, and then all of a sudden, like, we made this instant connection. And for the rest of the game, we're sitting there talking about every play as it's kind of laid out in front of yeah. us. And we're talking, you know, oh, that screen right there, that should have been a harder yeah. screen. Why didn't Aiden roll to the basket? Why didn't it on that pick and roll didn't Booker rotate? And Exactly. That's the thing that drive. that's what drives me crazy about when Booker – Plays like that because he's nothing close to the elite defender. No. That's why I hate when people, when other teammates mess up and they don't get back or they don't get to their player and he bitches at them on the floor. It's like, you're not MJ or you're not Kobe. You're not an elite defender. Yes. Until you know how to defend, I don't think you should argue. Don't call anybody out. Unless someone on offense is out of place, that's fine. On defense, leave him alone because I see it too much to where he still gets aggravated with these players and I'm sure they're friends, whatever, but that just bugs the crap out of me. Well, that old guy, do you know what he said to me? What? I wish Booker would stop whining at his teammates. Oh, really? I was like, wow, old because, man. <laughs> yes, because it's like until you're elite at what you're doing. No, agreed. Come on. Oh. Going into week 17, next week we have two games. We are at the Lakers on Monday night. They're 39-12, and 12, number one seed in the West. And then we follow that on Wednesday night by playing the Warriors at home, and they're 12-41 and 41, and the worst team in the league. So what are you looking for for the Suns this upcoming week? I just want one and one. That'd be nice. Yes. I'm just looking for consistency. Like I said, we have our team back. I love my Suns, and I think that this is a team that's going to finish the year strong. And if we can put up a fight against the Lakers, that is fine. Put up a fight and try your best. If you lose, that's fine. But I think you can go one and one this, this week and really please the fans. Going into All Star Break. All Star Break is next. That's why there's only well, two exactly. games. Exactly. Right? There's only two games because then we have the All Star Break, which yeah. is fantastic. I'm not gonna watch it. None of it. No, I don't think I'm gonna watch. I'm any not of watching it. any of it. I'll end up I'm watching all of it. it. I'm not gonna watch. I'm not. <laughs> I know. I know you're not. Booker better not be there. What? Just like hang out? No, he yeah, shouldn't. No, he he should. said he's Hell gonna get. No, he shouldn't. He said be. he's gonna get rest, but he should. He shouldn't be there because he should be there as an All Star, and I wouldn't show up. And yeah, that's be, the only way he should be there. Yeah. Don't go, but if Doncic is out, maybe he can make it in, but. Yeah, we'll see on that. Uh, mailbag time. All right, we have uh, some different questions that some different fans of the Suns Report podcast have put out there, and I'll post these questions to you, and we'll, we'll point counterpoint them if need be. Sound good? I'm excited for this. All right, so first up is from Facebook. We have Nicholas Tan, and his question to both John and Matthew is this. What is the ceiling of Mikael Bridges? 
Nicholas Tan said he thinks he's going to be a mix of Sean Marion and Dial. Uh, what do you think about him? His ceiling. Oh what man, is, what is Mikhail's he's such? Ceiling? I don't know who he is yet. So I don't. The honest answer is I don't know his ceiling. I need to see this season and next season, mm-hmm. another full season after this season, to really know who he is. Because honestly, like Saric, he has a really good mid-range jump shot. I think he does, and I think he needs to stop shooting the three. I know we're not trying to critique him. What's his ceiling? I don't know yet. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Uh, for Kawhi me, Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I think his ceiling is a starter in the NBA. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't think he's an all-star. Uh, I think he had he he's one of those guys who maybe in like his fifth or sixth or maybe in his seventh season might get an All Star nod just due to the fact that he's on a really good team yeah and he's the third best player on that team because he's he's a lockdown defensive guy and his shooting is going to get better yeah so I feel like he's a potential one time All Star a la Sean Marion who got in a couple All Star games because he was on some really really good Suns mm-hmm. teams and Mike D'Antoni was the coach yeah but I can see in the future in the playoffs. He's going to be the player where people are like, oh, Mikel Bridges. Yes. Who's this guy? And they're going to bring up the story of him getting drafted. Oh, yeah. He was going to be in Philadelphia with his mom, and he came here. That's always that's going to be like the number one story. It's like, who's this guy? He's freaking averaging 16 points, eight rebounds, and, and like three, two blocks. And three steals again. Yeah, three steals. Yeah. Not blocks, sorry. Steals. <laughs> All right, next question comes from Raboni Borman. Uh, if Monty wants the team to play defense, then why is he not giving Javon more minutes? Mm, that's a good question for you. Yeah. Well, I'm a, for those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm a huge Javon Carter, a.k.a. C4, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Boom, yeah. uh, the Bulldog. I'm a big fan of his because he plays defense. And what's interesting about this question is Javon Carter is getting plenty of minutes right now. He's playing, especially with everybody being hurt. He's one of the guys who hasn't been hurt. I feel that there's a two-headed monster that kind of comes off of the bench for the Suns at point guard. You have Elio Kobo, who's your more offensive threat, and you have Javon Carter, who's your more defensive threat. I feel that Elio Kobo gets more minutes than Javon Carter on the season because we need to keep that offense going, and we're typically playing from behind. Now, if you're a team that's up by 10 points and you have to make that decision of who's coming in off the bench, then that's when you see, and you should see, Javon Carter to help lock down the other team. But if you're playing from behind, Javon Carter, although he can hit an occasional three, and I'm a big fan of his play overall. Yeah. Like, I was looking at his per 36 the other day, and he's like, you know, 10 points uh, per 36, and... You know, some rebounds and some uh, steals. And I was like, yeah, I love, I'm always trying to find a statistical reasons uh-huh. to why Javon Carter should always be playing. But at the end of the day, Elliot Kobo is the better offensive threat, and we typically need more offense. I f- I'm a flip flopper on this one because before I didn't like um, Javon Carter just because of how inconsistent he was and his confidence was just lost for 30 games. Dude, like the last two weeks, though, I would rather him be running the offense Okobo because Okobo, all he does is dribble the ball and then dribble right down the alleyway and he's just fucking just oh, in a yeah. different city. Like, where, <laughs> what is he doing out there? I don't know. I don't know what he does. He just dribbles. He doesn't even pass the ball. So I would rather have Javon Carter because I think he's really tried to prove himself and he's a little bit of a Stefan Marbury-ish kind of guy. Yeah, he's a bulldog, man. He, yeah, he's like a lesser, like poor man's version of him. Yeah. So I, I changed my mind. This guy, I think he's... He's earned the backup spot next to Ty Jerome. I don't like Okobo anymore. I'm done with that guy. Nice. Well, sorry. I've made my case all season long. C4 is the way to go. Yeah, good job. All right. Our last question comes from at Dervish of Whirl, and he's actually a host of Fanny the Flames podcast, also on the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network. So if you get a chance, please stop by and see the Fanny and the Flames and what they're doing over there. Some fantastic stuff. 
but his question for the Suns Report podcast, are the Suns meeting, exceeding, falling short of preseason expectations? Matthew. I will go. They are meeting it. I Very well they are. They went through a bad losing streak, but besides that, our record is to where we wanted them to be. It is. I wanted 500. Aiton went out. That screwed everything up. Oh, yeah. That screwed. It just the whole but season. Was... We didn't even know Aiton was going to be doing this good either this soon. So I think right now. We hoped. We are meeting expectations. I know it's been a rough couple of weeks, but we are meeting them. I completely agree with that. Uh, preseason expectations. Again, Vegas had us 29 and a half over under. We weren't a playoff team. I think the expectations obviously went up when we had that 7 and 4 yes, start. We were saying playoffs. Yeah, it's like yeah. playoffs or I'm going to be sad. But at the end of the day, you have to remember who we were last year, yeah. who we were two years ago. You know, it's been last decade was a rough decade, but the last two years we've been one of the worst teams in the NBA period uh-huh. from a win standpoint. So the goal this year was to grow. Part of that growth was for me was having Booker become an all-star and that didn't happen. So that, you know, in that aspect of the growth, we're not meeting those expectations, but I would say overall as a team, we are meeting those expectations. Yeah, totally agree. Well, that's it for this week's Sun Report podcast. Uh, Our upcoming podcasts that are coming out, on Tuesday, we will be dropping our Trade Time Review podcast. That's where we're just going to finalize everything on the trade deadline, talk about how we think and and, and what our final thoughts are on the trade deadline, and then just put that one in the rearview mirror. On Thursday, (laughs) we're going to release our My Top 3 Suns All-Star Moments podcast. Uh, For those of you who are new to the the Suns Report podcast, we like to do My Top 3, which are different categorical uh, podcast yes. pertaining to different things that have happened in Suns history. It's they're yeah. fun. They're fun. It's always a good time. Yeah. But last but not least, you know, thank you for tuning into the Suns Report podcast, and we hope you enjoyed hanging out with us. Uh, if you have any questions or topics you want discussed on the next weekly recap, please email us at thesunsreport at gmail or you can always connect with us via Twitter at the Suns Report, mm-hmm. or visit the Suns Report on Facebook. It's time for me to grow and grab another beer, so I'm out of here. Matthew, got any last words for oh, the you folks alcoholic. out there? Um, yeah, last words, just go home and love your family. If you ever watch Good Morning America, they have the window, I think, in the back. Yeah. We have a window out here. We'll give you the address. You come out here. <laughs> you can watch us do a podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, go home and love your family. Thank you, guys. Amen. Take care.